Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. You might remember last week we were looking at the passage from Matthew's Gospel immediately before this one where Jesus has asked this pivotal question of the disciples. First of all, he's asked, what do other people, who do other people say that the Son of Man is? And then he turns to his disciples and asks the question, who do you say that I am? And Peter confesses him, not as the prophet that is um, being bruited abroad amongst the crowds, although he is prophet, But Peter says, you are Messiah, son of the living God. And that question is pivotal in the story because immediately afterwards, once there has been that kind of a recognition about the Messiahship of Jesus, Jesus starts to instruct his disciples exactly what his Messiahship looks like. And it's very different than the one they think it's going to be. Because immediately after Peter makes his confession, Jesus tells them, we're going to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to undergo great suffering. I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Now, on this side of the resurrection, we know that that happened. But put yourselves for a minute back in time to when Jesus is saying this. Peter's on a high from what he's just heard God the Father speak to his heart and what he has spoken out to Jesus, you're the Messiah. And they all think that means military might, sword, coming in. We're going to kill some folks. We're going to overthrow these Romans. We're going to slaughter them, get them out of our country. And then we're going to have our kingdom back again. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to be killed. Wouldn't we have the same reaction as Peter? No, no, that can't happen. How can anything work if you're killed? If you're killed, it's done for. No, we're going to, the Messiah is going to come in and reclaim Israel for us. We're going to have our country back again. And Jesus' answer is, get thee behind me, Satan. There's some irony in uh, Peter's words there. He starts off with, God forbid it. Now, Jesus has just said, what will happen? And then he says, Lord. So do you see the irony there? He's calling him Lord of his life but he's contradicting what he's just said. How often do we do that? Lord, um, but let me go my own way. You know, you are Lord of my life, but I really want to do it this way. You know, we're so Peter, aren't we? I think that's why we just so get it with Peter. We're right there with him. 
Lord, yeah, your Lord, just so much. But Jesus has a different way than the one Peter thinks should be the way. And it's the way of the cross. And he's calling us on a different path than the one we might think we have for ourselves. Because he's calling us also onto the way of the cross. It's the way of obedience, the way of surrender, the way of sacrifice. Remember in last week's reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, he said, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We don't like that word very much. Madison Avenue certainly doesn't like that word very much. You know, the old Nike slogan, it's kind of part of the fabric of our being, just do it, we're just going to do it, right? We're just going to do it because we want to do it. And that's what Madison Avenue will tell us is the right way to act. We're just going to do it. Everybody else be damned, we're just going to do it. Or Frank Sinatra's, I did it my way. No one else's way. I did it my way. And we've, we've grown up with those things. We've, that's become part of the fabric of our being. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way. If you would, my follower be, take up your cross and follow me. Because that's the way of obedience. He was obedient unto death on the cross. He was obedient to the will of God because in the divine mystery, his death did not end all things. It began all things. His death brought life. His obedience, his suffering, and his sacrifice brought us the life that we could not gain on in and of ourselves. He came to rescue purely and simply because he loved us and loves us and we needed rescuing and he would go to whatever means necessary and the necessary means was the way of the cross was the way of suffering, was the way of obedience, and was the way of sacrifice. And Peter says, no, 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 no. And Jesus says, yes. And there's this really strong reprimand from Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Remember, after Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, that when he withstood Satan, Satan left. And we hear the gospel writer say, for another opportune time. This is the opportune time to come through his Jesus' friend, to come through the words of the one who had just spoken God's words, 
that you are Messiah. And now Satan enters in to try and pull Jesus away from the way that he knows he must walk, the way of the cross. How often are our minds on human things and not on divine things? But if we are to be followers of Jesus, we are to deny ourselves, deny the way, the pull of the world, and to follow the way of Jesus, to deny the way of human things and to follow the way of divine things. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Is our faith costing us something? Is our faith sacrificial in all areas of our lives. Sometimes I think in the West we focus too much on what we gain from our faith, on what has been given to us, the benefits of this faith that we have received and we ignore the cost of faith. We're like Peter sometimes. We want the easy way. We don't want the way of sacrifice. I'm speaking personally here. We don't want the way of sacrifice. We want the easy way. But we, like him, are called instead to the costly way, not the easy way. Now, we probably won't ever have to give up our physical lives for our faith. There are brothers and sisters around the world who are in their thousands giving up their lives for their faith because they will not betray the Lord who has given them life. And so they are being butchered as we speak in Iraq, in Syria, in North Africa, in many, many areas more than we can ever even know. We're probably here not going to be called on for that sacrifice. Although there have been those in America who have sacrificed their lives for their faith. Such was a 13-year-old Amish girl. Shoot me first, she said when a crazed man broke into her school on a Monday morning, October 2nd, 2006, shoot me first. And he did shoot her, killing her along with five of her schoolmates aged 7 to 13. Then he killed himself. The shooter, Charles Carl Roberts, a 32-year-old milkman, entered the humble one-room schoolhouse with the intent of killing as many students as possible. But one student... Marion Fisher, the oldest of the five Amish girls shot dead that day, tried to buy time for her schoolmates to escape. There were ten of them in all, all girls, five of whom survived. 
They may owe their lives to Marion, who stepped forward and asked her killer to shoot me first. What's more, her younger sister, Barbie, who survived the shooting, allegedly asked the gunman, shoot me second. It's a story of incredible courage. I think I've shared this other story with you before. There's a little five-year-old boy had an older sister who was really, really ill. She had a very rare disease, and she was getting close to death. The only way for her to survive was to have a blood transfusion from somebody who had the same blood type and who had overcome the same disease and therefore had antibodies in their blood. That was her little five-year-old brother. And so the doctor came to the little five-year-old boy and explained, would you be willing to give your blood for your sister to make her better? And he hesitated just for a moment. Then taking a deep breath, he said, yes, I'll do it if it will save her. And as the transfusion progressed, He lay in bed next to his sister and smiled. In fact, all in the room smiled. This is a story told by the nurse in the room. As the little girl started to show signs of getting better and better. And then the little boy's face became pale. And his smile faded and he looked up at the doctor and he said, Will I start to die straight away? See, he thought that having his blood given to his sister meant all of his blood. He was willing to die for his sister. Would we be be willing to die for our faith? It's a costly way of being a follower of Jesus Christ. We probably won't ever need to give up our physical lives for our faith in Jesus Christ. But we are called upon to give all of who we are, to give up our will to follow God's will for our life and for the world through us. Because Jesus' Messiahship was marked by obedience and sacrifice, giving up his very life purely and simply out of love. And we are to respond to that rescue by giving all of who we are to him. Because we get so much more in return, but just simply because of his love, in response to what he has done. For those who want to save their life in this life will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The person who tries to hang on to his own will and rejects God's desires will ultimately lose eternally all that they're attempting to protect in this life. Jesus says, for what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? 
What will it profit us if we have all the power in the world, all the money in the world, all the belongings in the world, the biggest cars, the biggest houses, you name it. It will forfeit us eternal life unless our lives are given over to God for him to do. I'm not saying that those things in and of themselves bring us to the verge of losing eternal life. It's if those take over the divinity, the rightful place of divinity in our lives. If they become the focus instead of just giving our lives over to God. We come into this world empty-handed. We go out from this world empty-handed. But in the upside-down world of God's kingdom, when we die to our own will and take up God's will, we receive life more fully than if we try and grasp it for ourselves. Many, many years ago, somebody gave me a verse, which I'm sure, because they had discernment, knew that it would become my life verse. I don't follow it really well. But it's this. It's from Proverbs. Many of you will know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. We're to lead lives with a long-term investment in view. See, Jesus here takes marketplace terms Profit and forfeit, profit and loss, like Paul after him in his letter to the Philippians. In other words, our investment is for the long term. We're not day traders here as Christians. We're not about the spikes of quick profit. We're in this for the long term investment because the payoff is really great. Jesus says, the Son of Man comes with his angels in the glory of the Father. Then he will repay everyone for what has been done. And if we want to know what kind of long-term investment we're looking at, we need look no further than Paul's letter to the Romans right here. This is doing the will of God. This is what it looks like by giving up our own will and by doing the will of God. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse them. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lonely. Do not claim to be wiser than you are in the sight of all. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, for vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't know about you, that's not an easy thing to do. But it's the way of the cross, and it's the way that we're called to. All of these things accrue to our profit. Not that in doing this somehow or other we've got bargaining chips. Jesus says in this gospel passage, what will you repay for your life? We don't have it. We have nothing to give for our lives. They've already been given back to us by the Lord who gave all so that we might live. We have nothing. There is nothing that we can earn, we can do. There are no, uh, there's nothing in the chart of heaven that says strike one good action up for me. It doesn't work that way. It's been given us. But our response is to give over our wills to the will of God. The question is, are we radically willing to pursue the profit of the soul to the renunciation of self and the world? When we take out our portfolio of long-term kingdom investment, how are our returns doing? To what degree have we given over our wills to God in order that through the work and power of his Holy Spirit we are being transformed into the image of the Son who took the way of the cross for us all? Yeah, some days I mess up big time. I don't do this. But you know, the amazing thing is, is that his mercies are new every morning. And every morning we get to start all over again with a clean slate, with our sins taken away all over again. And the Lord says, come on in, child. Let me work in you. Let me transform you into the image of my son. Do my will. Follow the way of the cross in obedience and sacrifice. May we do so. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.